The reading is from Romans 1, verses 7 to 17. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. Because your faith is being reported all over the world, God, whom I serve in my spirit, is preaching the gospel to his Son. Is my witness how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. And I pray that now at last my God will, my God's will, the way may be opened for, for me to come to you. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I planned many times to come to you, but have been prevented from doing so until now, in order that I may have a harvest among you, just as I have had among the other Gentiles. I am a debtor both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written. The righteous will live by faith. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. I'm, as Bertie said, I'm Shane Ardron, and I'm, if you're new here, I'm one of the readers here at the Martyrs. Let us pray. God, we thank you that we are able to gather. To gather, to bring to you anything that is on our hearts. Things that concern us or trouble us. We thank you that you speak to us, that you bring us comfort, you bring us challenge, because you love us. We gather because we know that, and we thank you for it. And we thank you for the Queen who knew it deeply in her soul and lived by it. Please bless this time that we have together this morning. Amen. Amen. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I read a Bible passage, I sort of think, what on earth is there in this for now? And when I wrote those words, I wrote those words sort of early on Thursday afternoon, before we'd learned that the Queen was so ill and was going to die. 
And so it seems especially true this morning. And when I have this privilege of being able to talk to you about it like this. But believe it or not, this passage ties in with a number of things that we are growing to learn here at the Martyrs, across the diocese, and probably across the whole of the church. I'll tell you a bit more about that because of the other roles that I hold, things that I do. One of the really strong parts of this, of this passage that we've heard was Paul's desire, repeated desire to say how he wanted to go to Rome. We'll come back to that. But first of all, I want us to think about the words, I long to see you so that, you, so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. Let me read that again. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. Can you imagine when they read that in the letter and Paul was, they knew Paul was desperate to come and see them? Can you imagine the delight and the people when they hear that? That Paul, who is deeply schooled in the scriptures, who's been blessed by God and the Holy Spirit after a life-changing encounter with Jesus, wants to impart a spiritual gift to make them strong. They must have been desperate for him to get there, if that's what was coming when Paul came. That's what Paul was wanting to bring. Oh, can you imagine their thoughts that they were having? What's such a gift? What will it be like? Will it be an amazing anointing of the Spirit that brings healing, power, insight, strength, grace, or any other collection of wonders that our hearts yearn for, thinking that that will be the solution to whatever we are facing? And as we know, strength comes in many forms. You have strength of muscle, strength of heart or perseverance, strength of the spirit to endure, strength of will. And if any of you have any dealings with toddlers, the strength of will is to be seen in its raw form. <laughs> so how will Paul impart this amazing spiritual gift? We look to the next part of the sentence, the second part, which is, that is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. This great spiritual gift to make them strong is sharing their faith together, studying scripture, sharing the insights that God gives us, and what we have learned through life's experiences. And I am learning that this is key here at the Martyrs from the work I do here, in the Diocese from the work that I do with Minster Communities, and nationally from the work that I do through General Synod. This is the overwhelming strength that we need, a strength of discipleship, of sharing our faith, with one another. Deepening our discipleship matters because it changes how we see things 
And this in turn changes how we behave. It's the breathing in before we can breathe out. Paul goes on to say later, I am a debtor both to the Greeks and the non-Greeks, both the wise and the foolish. So generally it doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, or how wise you do or do not feel. We can all learn from each other. The diversity that we hold is key. Because of our diversity in experience, we each bring insights that the others cannot bring. Some comments have been said about the Queen that relate to her wise counsel, as well as her humour and putting people at ease and being very curious about others and as interested in them as they were in her. The Queen will have seen a huge variety of people, and I imagine because of her having that attitude, she was able to learn from many of them, just as they also learned from her. God is not about us all being the same. God's character is revealed in the joy and delight of diversity. Who else but God would create a world that has, would you believe, because I looked this up, 13,000 species of ant. You'd think there's surely just one type of ant would do, or half a dozen. No, 13,000 species of ant. Varieties of grass? 12,000. We've got far less apples and potatoes. Want to have a guess? How many types of, of apples? 200. 200. Any other guesses of apples? 7,000 types of apples. And 5,000 varieties of potato. God is about diversity. God is not about the same, and neither should we be. Yet there is only one living species of human being, Homo sapiens, us. We are made in the image of a Trinitarian God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We are made mind, body, and spirit. Well, that is how we are called to love God. And Paul says, because of that, it doesn't matter what we look like, where we've came from, what we know or what we don't know. We can each be a gift to the other. And a key part of how God has created us is spirit. And that is what Paul is wanting the Romans to grow stronger in. And he knows that needs to be done together. From the Bible studies and the discussions that I have been involved in in over many years, nay decades, studying with others always brings more insight into the passage. Whether that's done face to face, on video or WhatsApp. I learn more about God, about myself, than I could ever have done just looking at it on my own. Though I do need to look at doing it on my own as well, 
and I do do that. But the real richness comes from sharing with one another. So talking and sharing our faith journeys is key to us, us, growing as a people of God. Paul has identified this as an amazing gift that we can give to each other. So, so far we've drawn out the spiritual gift and the diversity of wise, foolish Greek and non-Greeks. Generally, everyone, every one of us can play a part, with no exceptions. I have two more areas I'd like us to look at. The first one relates to the line, the last line that was read. The righteous will live by faith. And this is a quote from Habakkuk. I said that Paul was very learned, and he knew things by heart. I knew it was from Habakkuk because the footnote at the bottom of the Bible told me so. So that's what I then went up and looked for. Habakkuk is one of the minor prophets in one of the the later books of the Old Testament. It's only a short book of three chapters. And in the account of Habakkuk, he is complaining to God. And God replies. Just to note, God never minds us complaining. But he does seem to prefer it when we listen to his reply and then, if needed, act on it. The complaining is not a problem. Our lack of action sometimes is, always is. The quote comes from the second chapter, and these are the verses 4 and 5, part of God's reply to Habakkuk. Look at the proud. Their spirit is not right in them, but the righteous live by their faith. Moreover, wealth is treacherous. The arrogant do not endure. They open their throats wide as shield, which is hell. They, like, de- like death, they have never had enough. They gather all nations for themselves and collect all peoples as their own. What does living like faith or living by faith look like? It certainly doesn't mean that life will be easy. I think we can honestly and categorically say that the Queen lived by faith. Yes, she had riches, but she always said that it was a faith in God that sustained her. But it didn't stop problems from happening, neither the riches nor the faith especially when she had ones relating to family relationships being strained or property being damaged, never mind all the little things that went on day by day that we would never hear of. Her faith did change how she faced them. We could see that in how she spoke each Christmas and in when she spoke to the whole country in the pandemic and the publications that came out with each jubilee or major birthday. And this is the one that came out most recently, and it tells about all of the prayers of what she did to prepare for the coronation. 
Her depth of faith when you read these things is huge. I've read since as children, they were schooled in Bible study for an hour before they ever began any lessons in a day. She wasn't just the head of the church by title. She lived it. She grew in it. She had known it all her life. And that is why she could die in peace within it. In the last chapter of Habakkuk, it says in chapter 3, verses 17 to 19, this is about the difficulties. And this is what Habakkuk says in reply to God. Though the fig tree does not blossom, and no fruit is on the vines, though the produce of the oil fails, and the fields yield no food, though the flock is cut off from the fold, and there is no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will exalt in God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer and makes me tread upon the heights. This is the gospel of God. The good news of hope, love, grace and mercy, all given to all of us. These are not wishy-washy words merely to be heard, for that does not provide the faith that Habakkuk, Paul and the Queen speak of. We know and believe in a God who is eternal, who is steeped in love and wisdom, but wants to share all of that with us if we are prepared to take the time to do so. As Paul learned, this is not just about holding it, learning the wisdom and everything to hold it over and lord it over others. This is about a journey of life and love, discovering the real riches that God gives, which do not fade, do not rust, and do not burn. It was no wonder that Paul was so desperate to reach Rome and share with them. He wanted to encourage them, but also to be encouraged by them, because he had heard such good word about them. Because people were speaking of their faith all over the world as he saw it. And he wanted to hear it and delight in it firsthand. He just didn't want to hear it from a distance. He wanted to be part of it. And I have found there is something wonderful about meeting people who delight in God. You can hear it in their tone of voice as they speak of God and of other people. You can see it in how they face life's troubles and delight in life's good times. And for me, humour and laughter are all part of that. So what kind of people do we want to be? Do we want to be one that gripes and moans or one that faces difficulties? 
valuing others as much as themselves, where love can be seen as we speak of each other and of God, where hope is not blind to those struggles, for that is not what hope is about, but it looks to the one who can guide us through those struggles. We look to God. We place our hand in Jesus' hand and we ask the Spirit to help us to move. We need to know God better. We need to deepen our discipleship. For without that, how will we ever be the blessing that God calls us to be in his kingdom? In this community, wherever God leads us. Indeed, without having that relationship with God, how can we understand God's blessing, God's blessing to each and every one of us? Are we prepared to make the effort and delight in faith like Paul? As I said at the beginning, we have to learn to breathe in before we can learn to breathe out.